And I have to ask about the gas station incident because if you guys didn't see this, there was a great clip that Sarah posted of you guys trying to fill that thing up. But she said at the end, we'll tell you how it ended in our next video. But I didn't see the next video. What did you guys ultimately do? Did you, how did you find a gas station? It, it, it didn't end well. It didn't end well. <laughs> um, first of all, I didn't know that diesel is the green handle. So I was very confused about, they gave me like 11 warnings. Don't use anything other than diesel. So I was a little freaked out that maybe it wasn't diesel, but we got it all sorted out. Look, everything takes reps. You didn't run your, your fastest mile, your first mile ever. It took a, lo a lot of repetition. And after three weeks, I'm, I've mastered the septic, but I'm not, <laughs> great, I'm not great with the gas. What did you learn? I want to ask a couple more questions about the RV before I go into the running because I'm just so fascinated by the trip and I, and I so enjoyed watching it all play out on social media. What did you learn most about yourself and your family during those three weeks? Uh, you know, I love the simplicity of it. And part of the reason why I love running is you need a pair of running shoes and you can do it anywhere. I love the simplicity of not having a closet full of stuff, an office full of papers, I just love that it went back down to, look, I'm an entrepreneur. And one of the things I never wanted to lose is that bootstrap underdog mentality. And it felt good to simplify everything and go back to, I'm not shaving. I don't care. In fact, this is the first time I've looked in a mirror. <laughs> it's like looking at myself on Instagram. I'm like, whoa, I look nuts. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. Going, you know, taking it back to what matters most to me. And, and, and I guess the follow-up to that is, what did you learn most about, about other people? Because I imagine you were with, you know, you said there's so many, different, there were so many Americans that own RVs. I imagine it was a chance to, to see a group of people or a, con, a, a, a part of the country that you don't usually get to see. You know, it's, it's a vibrant community that's passionate about camping and being outdoors, something that I'm super passionate about. So... Um, immediately, just the connection. Look, everything is shut down, but, but nature isn't shut down. There's no reason why we shouldn't be outside in nature, exploring, getting dirty. And um, I'm 51, I'm about to be 52. And I felt like I was eight years old for three weeks, finding wood for the campfire and all that. So it sounds ridiculous, it might sound ridiculous, but my life has gone like this. You know, it went from, um, it's been amazing. It's been a 10 out of 10, but it's gone through periods of sleeping on friends' couches when I'm trying to make it in the music business to hitting it big, to having lows, to, you know? So um, it's good to go back to the basics for all of us because we're, we're so connected and we're so influenced by our connections. CNN influenced us, Instagram, people, you know, um, Facebook. So we were able to disconnect from that and go back. And as an entrepreneur, the only way, you know, we all have relied for centuries on our gut instinct. Before there was marketing, there was common sense. We've been manipulated. So the only way to really be in, in tune with your best superpower is, which is your gut, is to spend time alone. So even driving four or five hours from RV camp to RV camp, gives you a little bit of sense of, okay, dreaming. You know, when I was a kid, I would go out and dream. I used to cut out of magazines of the house that I wanted and 
you know, all these things that I wanted and, you know, and dream about how that was going to happen and dream about winning races and losing races and jumping in rivers and all that stuff. And it felt good to get into, into the RV and drive and just think. And, and another time where I'm sure there's lots of time to think is running. And I know one of the only things you packed is your running shoes. How much running did you get in on this trip? You know, it's funny because when I was, when I was started out in running and I, I have done the whole gamut, I've done, you know, started out with a 5k goal, a two mile goal actually was my first goal. And I've, I've scaled that all the way up to hundred mile races. And I used to think that I got to go get long runs in and it's all about how much time I'm on my feet. And now everything is cumulative. I, for me, exercise is cumulative. So if I could grab 20 minutes before my family wakes up, a four mile walk or run while they're with them and get another three miles before I get to sleep. So I'm getting eight, nine to 10 miles in cumulatively in a day. Great. So the way I did this trip was I got it when I could get it. You know, if my kids, were getting, home, my kids were getting homeschooled and I have an hour, Right. If they're on there with the teachers on Zoom, I'm going to go get a run. And that's why you always wear the, the, short, the short shorts? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got them on right now. <laughs> I like that you're not going back. Just, you know what? This is the best lifestyle. I'm just going to wear these at all times. You know, we've, it's like, this is what I think. Humans have done amazing things. Like the fact that we can talk and people in China, can watch this right now, real time. A human invented that. That's, in, that's crazy. But humans have also complicated things by trying to simplify. So like, what was wrong with the car key that you put in a car to turn it? Now I got to find the button and my <laughs> clicker. It's like, what, who, who invented, what was wrong with the window? <laughs> now I think you can still get cars like that. Right, right. So they, they tried to like get so fancy with these long shorts Short shorts are just as efficient. They're better. <laughs> they're totally they're way better. I wear them around my house all day, and my wife's always getting on me, and now I'm just like, hey, this guy can do it, and he's doing just fine. <laughs> right. So your relationship with running, you said it is, is unique. You don't just go out there to run. What makes, what makes running, which may, what makes that very simple act so attractive to you? Uh, first, I have to say, for anyone just joining, I'm live in my bathroom because it gets the best service in my house. Um, back to the question. Um, what I love about running and specifically about challenging runs. First of all, I love the lifestyle. I love how it makes me feel. I love the discipline attached to running. They asked Richard Branson, what was his number one thing that you know, he would attribute his success to? And he said, going to the gym. I don't think he meant lifting weights. I think he meant the discipline and prioritizing himself first. That's what I love about running. It's the easy way, easiest way to prioritize myself. And for me, running is not a chore. It's not something I dread. It's part of my lifestyle. It's I run. I have one of my mantras is during when I'm running, I'm like, and I'm, I'm, I'm falling off. I say runners run. Runners run, man. You're a runner. You run. So let, let's keep moving. Um, so I love, I love it. I love it. And oh, what I was saying is what I love about the hard races is I never tried to win a race in my life, ever. I came in 37,000th place of the New York Marathon, and I couldn't care less. What I love about it, usually it's a test of will. 
And it sharpens that skill set for me. And if I can sharpen my grit or sharpen my will through running, it translates into all the different buckets of my life. I wholeheartedly believe that. And, and it seems, especially these last couple of months, you've, you've tackled a lot of challenges. You did the calendar club thing where you ran the, the, the day, the, the mileage corresponding to the day, did a hundred miler in the past, what, six to eight months, did the last man standing race. Do you have to have a challenge you're aiming for to get, that, get out there and run every day? Is that, is that part of the motivation for you? No, I don't. I mean, I, I don't, I, like I said, there is no motivation. It, it's just lifestyle. It's a lifestyle decision for me. So it's never, I never feel like, oh, I have to do this. This is what I do, man. I, but having a big race on the calendar gives me something to make sure that I'm not living in routine. Because if I just run three miles at a 10 minute pace every day, I'm not getting better. It's great and it's therapeutic and it's, it makes me feel good. But if I'm gonna put a hundred miler on or a marathon or a 10K, anything, that's circled on my calendar, it changes my training routine and my patterns change. And it keeps me, and, and part of what I love is just building out the training plan, the strategy behind how am I gonna train for this race? So I'm, I'm actually driving to Tennessee tomorrow to scout a uh, trail for a, a last man standing format race, which is a one mile, this particular format is a one mile loop. It's called the murder mile uh, because there's like 400 feet of elevation or something in the mile. And you have 20 minutes to do it. And if you do it in 18 minutes, you have a two minute rest. They line you up again the next uh, 20 minutes and they mm -hmm. keep going until one person is left standing. And, you know, at this stage in my life, I don't have to run. I could sit in a nice air conditioned house and watch Netflix. But the thrill, I just packed up the RV. I'm picking up two friends, um, social distancing in the RV. The thrill of the challenge and the strategy, how are we going to do it? What are we going to run? What are we going to walk? The fact that I'm even driving out to scout something four hours, wait, eight hours of driving at this stage of my life. It just, it, it, there's a lesson there for anyone listening. Um, and, and I love it. I love it. And I, I love the preparation behind it, you know? And any, anyone who thinks they're above that is, is, losing, is losing that underdog mindset, that bootstrap mentality. And I don't, want, I don't want to give that up, regardless of success. So of all the challenges you did in the past, in the past six to eight months, that they, they were all, they were all incredible to follow. I, I particularly enjoyed the last man standing race because you just looked, I mean, physically and mentally exhausted at the end of this thing. And I'm like, there's no way he's going out for another lap. And you went out for another lap. Which, which of the three was the most challenging mentally and physically for you and most rewarding? So I trained really hard for the last man standing. That is a race that I wanted to win. Um, um, but I trained incorrectly because they said it is mo moderate rolling hills. Y yeah, if you live in the mountains of Maine, <laughs> but if you live in Atlanta, you know, like the, the hills were like, everything was like super challenging. So my heart rate was up way more than it no normally is in a four mile run every loop. This was a four mile loop, 4.2 mile loop. 
And um, what, what, during my training runs, I was coming in around 51 minutes. On this, on this race, I was coming at like 58 with a high heart rate. So I was doomed from the beginning. And my strategy of walk run was out of the door because it was so hilly. I walked the hills and I had to run everything else. So I was going to time out. So I had to blow up what, a, what I trained my training strategy for eight months, blew up on the first loop. But I loved it. I loved it. And, when I, and going back to like what you said, I looked gutted. I was gutted. Um, but what I said to myself was, I knew I wasn't going to, this is going to sound a little hardcore. So I don't, I don't want to freak anybody out here. Right? <laughs> but I knew I wasn't going to die. I knew I was going to get messed up. Like my legs were going to be jacked up. I knew my toenails were coming off. I knew all of that. But I knew I wasn't going to die. And I'm like, you know what, man? I, I, I'm doing one of these a year. Get out of the chair. And, and um, I'm not a superhero. You know, there are races where I do two miles and I just go home. But on this day, I had committed. I had so much behind in the training, so many hours logged, so much thought. I wasn't going to go drive home without leaving it all out there. You know, I'm doing something now with my kids called the um, 30 Days of Greatness. And whoops, there go the lights. And what I'm doing is for 30 days, we're committing to effort, not results. You can't always control the results that you get, but you control your effort. So, for example, today my kids had a swim lesson. So tonight at dinner, the conversation is on a one to ten, how much effort did you put into the lesson? And if they, if they were to say like a five, well, then don't even bother with the lesson. Don't waste mommy and daddy's money. You know, um, if you're going to do it, if any of us in the family are going to do it, we're going to put a 10 effort into it. Otherwise, let's not do it today. You know, but why? So um, 30 days of excellence. So my point is, if you're going to go out and do a race and you're going to invest all this training and sacrifice away from your family, getting up at five in the morning. I mean, I, my, training, my training was ridiculous. For a 51-year-old man um, that has four kids under 10 and a full-time job, my training was ridiculous. I didn't want to go up there and shortchange all that effort, give it all back by not going until I just time out. I, I think it's amazing as a father that that's what you're teaching to your kids. And I have to ask you, because this is, it seems like, you know, if I read your life story, this is sort of how, how you've always approached things. Where do you get that, that attitude from? Where did you learn that? Where did you pick that up from? You know, it's gotten sharper as I've gotten older, because the most rewarding things in my life have been things that required a risk, fear, challenge, discomfort, um, and I'm talking about business. I'm talking about um, jumping in cold rivers. Things that are most memorable in my life were not ordinary things that I did every single day. And as you get older, you have to work hard to create newness because we live in routine. You actually have to plan newness. And I've realized that, you know, and I have a whole course about this called Build Your Life Resume. Um, that my life resume is really important to me. So this isn't something that like at 10 years old I was doing. I didn't start running until I was 23. I was, uh, you know, I, I became a vegetarian uh, at 22. 
I was eating, my life changed. And the reason why it changed, and then it evolved. I didn't just wake up and like, I'm gonna go run 100 miles. I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna have 30 days of excellence. Like, it became addicting. Because as you make changes that are positive, and you get more momentum in your life, you feel healthier, more alive, your relationships are richer. That becomes addicting. So that's what happened to me. And I'm, it's a, I'm a work in progress with it. I want to ask you about Build Your Life Resume because you brought it up. And, and I don't want to give away the secrets. I want people to register for your classes. It's BYLR.com. Go to it now. Well, go to it in like 10 minutes. Um, but you want your resume. When you give a resume, you want it to stand out at the top of the pile. That's what you're going for, right? So for you, when it comes to a life resume, what stands out on the top of the proverbial pile? What's a good life resume? Uh, you mean specifically on my resume or in general for people? Yeah, when you, yeah I, in general. Well, I mean, because I was different for everybody. I just think it's, it's everything that – it's your body of work. And it's just doing things that with people that – for me, it's doing more of what I love with the people I love to do them with. So I love being outside. I love, you know, most of the things that I've done, I was just in Montana. And we went on a hike in the winter with my family and there was a waterfall and I cracked the ice. Uh, I knew it wasn't too deep. So I, it was, it was um, and I'm well versed in this. And I jumped in and it was like, people were hiking. They're like, what? This is the craziest thing. You jumped into Uso Falls. Like it's, you know, you had to crack the ice. And then the next day I went, five people were in the water. <laughs> So it's just about when you have a chance to create a memory, you take it, you know, you take it. So um, I work really hard on introducing new experiences and that's why I'm driving four hours to Tennessee tomorrow, you know? Yeah. And, and, and your events, I, I, we talked about them for the first time a couple of years ago, the, the ever same 29 or 29 event that you put on is sold out. Um, you, you do the event in your backyard where people are running up and down down the hill. These are events that are now, like if we look at it in this context, they're tailor-made <laughs> for the social distancing era. It's it's almost like you saw this coming. Do you, do you see a surge in that kind of that kind of endurance event now that we all have, we can't be crammed into star corrals right now? I think that um, 600,000, you know this data better than me, but approximately 600,000 people run a marathon or sign up for a marathon in this country every year, 99% of them finish, 98% finish. And I think that um, those will always be here and they're exciting. But for those that complete marathons, they want, like, I don't want to go live in my old neighborhood. I run the marathon. I want to do something new. Um, so I think there's always going to be an opportunity for newness. Now, look, we created 29 or 29, this, this, event where we rent a mountain and you hike up, come take the gondola down and you repeat until you climb the equivalent of Mount Everest or one of the summits. Um, we, we created it out of frustration because I don't like obstacle races. Many people do, but I don't like jumping over things and like, it's not my gig. And my wife, I don't want to, I'm not into triathlons. I'm not a great cyclist. I don't like cycling at high speeds. I want something I could do with my wife and my friends that was mega challenging outdoors and like brutally hard, but all based on will. Anyone can hike. So that's why we created that event. So I think there's always gonna be room for newness in, that, in the category we're talking about, which is you know endurance challenges, outdoor events, et cetera. 
your event in, in June, are, do you have to make any special accommodations now with the current pandemic we're in? Or is it, is it pretty much going to be okay because people are able to spread out far? It's day by day, you know, because a lot of this is dictated by the state or the local town or the rules of the resorts that we, mountains we rent. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, for anyone that's interested in any of this stuff, because I see some people talking about uh, Build Your Life resume, it's all in my bio on Instagram. You can hit the link, the link in the bio and all that stuff's there. Um, you know, I started a race in my backyard called Hell on the Hill. I live, I live in Connecticut in the summer sometimes. Um, and there's this crazy 80-yard uh, hill, 80-foot hill with a 35%, 40% grade. And we go up and down 100 times. It takes about three to four hours. Um, it's called Hell on the Hill. And it started out as a challenge with just a couple of friends. And now there's almost 3,000 people on the wait list. So clearly, there is a market for people that want adventure. Because you don't, I don't feel alive unless I do stuff like that. I don't feel energized. And it makes me better at work. It makes me a better father, husband, when I'm challenged, you know? It's a great example for my kids. So that's why I, I, I'm in this space. I, I want to ask one more question before we take a couple, just a couple from the comments. Sure. You, know, you, you are, you give big speeches to big groups. You own a, a basketball team that brings big, big crowds. How do people who love being in that environment, who thrive in, in the group setting, how, how do they replace that in a time where they can't have that sort of experience right now? Well, I don't think you have, I, th I think that you still can have that experience. And the one-on-one -on -one close contact stuff isn't happening, but we're all on Zoom calls. There's 100, some 150 people watching now. So that, that's a nice size auditorium to give a speech to, you know. Um, there's all kinds of virtual conferences going on. Um, but I think, you know, I, I, still get, I still get outside. I run around Atlanta all the time, Chastain Park every day. And there's still a social element of just seeing other people getting after it. You know, it still fills my bucket. Um, so... I think this is a great time to start new routines, learn new stuff, go on YouTube and look at new skills. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity during this time. I'll look for you at Chastain Park. That's my route every every morning at 6 a.m. I'm usually out there running around. So You're going to have to look behind. You're a lot faster than me. you got to look over <laughs> your shoulder. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, I think one question from the uh, that I've got from the chat here your life to date what did you waste the most time doing and what do you wish you had done with that time what did i waste the most time doing mm -hmm. well I'm, I'm i'm disappointed i discovered rving so late in life um i don't have any regrets the stuff that i you know i, I never wasted time um i've always had an appreciation for time i've always my days are so jam-packed like Every, and, 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 you know, a lot of people talk about morning routines. I'm a much bigger believer in nighttime routine because I plan my day the night before. And then I just follow the script. I'll come up, Mike. I just follow the script. So my nighttime routine is so important to me because, because I map out exactly what the next day looks like. So my days are very efficient. 
You know, um, I think if I have a regret, I figured this out. I wrote about it in my book, Living with the Monks. I calculated how much sporting events I was watching in my 20s and 30s. Okay. Um, you know, I was watching two college football games on Saturday. I love it. I was in a fantasy football league, three games on you no know, Sunday, one o'clock, four o'clock, Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football. And I calculated that if I did that for like from 20 to 70, it's like 36,000 hours of time. I don't remember, like, do I really care who won the Jet Giant game five years ago now? No. So I literally unplugged, pulled the plug on that. And it freed up so many hours. So I've gotten really good at eliminating things that waste time. And I'm, I, I'm, a real, I'm, I'm clinically ADD, but I'm incredibly efficient now. I wouldn't say that a couple of years ago, but now I'm really efficient. You know, if I have to get my run in and my day's packed, I'll get up an hour earlier. Um, that's hard to sustain. People are like, oh, just wake up an hour earlier. No one wants to wake up at four in the morning. <laughs> but think about this. This is going to freak people out too. Since I'm 21 years old, I've been taking about three hours a day for myself. Cumulative. 20 minutes in the morning, a half an hour at lunch, maybe an hour. And, and, and that could be anything. Going in a sauna, um, reading a magazine, doing nothing. If you take three hours a day from the day you get graduate college till the day you retire at 71, 50 years, right? Like most people work 21 into their late 60s. So if you took three hours a day, you get 56,000 hours, including sleep, you get 10 years, years of time to yourself. Let me repeat that. 10 years of time. I've done that. I'm a real true example of someone that's taken two to three hours every day. Now, most people say, oh, well, you have nannies and you have this. No, 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 no. I've been doing it since I'm 21 years old. Anyone that knows me knows me. I've always carved out time for myself. It compounds. The greatest gift you can give to yourself, one of the greatest gifts, is alone time. It's prioritizing yourself. Now, most people play defense. You fill up your calendar with um, appointments, meetings, weddings, other people's requests, and all this stuff. And at the end of the year, you're playing defense. You have nothing to show for it. I flip that model upside down. I play offense. I map out my days. I map out my years. I have a program called the Big Ass Calendar Club where I walk people through this. It's on my IG and my bio. But, but, but you're like, it's really important to schedule stuff you want to do. Otherwise, you're just living someone else's time. And how has that, and I imagine that has an enormous impact on the people, being, being selfish has an enormous impact on the people you love in a good way. 100%. You know, I, I map out date night with my wife every year. It's Wednesday night. Like, and I know exactly how many I, I did last year. Over 40 date nights on Wednesdays. You know, some travel, this and that. 45 of the 52 weeks. You know, um, it's just a matter of planning you know, and prioritizing. And if you don't do it, you go through life like this. And the average American gains two, two pounds every year from 35 to 70. Now all, the, all of a sudden you're 50 pounds overweight, you're 70 and you can't do the RV trip you always wanted to do. You can't do the things you always wanted to do because you're overweight and you're older. 
I, I don't want to give up my 40s and 50s, the best years of my life, 30, 40, 50. When you turn 60, 70, there's not a lot of 70-year-olds doing hell on the hill and 29 or 29. Mm -hmm. And the last man standing race, like our window shrinks. So the, the time is now. So, so with that, we'll let you get off Instagram and go do something meaningful. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. We're rolling. Okay. All right. Then let's, let's keep going. So I, I want to touch on something that you said. People probably say to you, listen, I, I don't have what you have. I don't live the, this, the same kind of life you live. I can't, I can't spend time building my life resume like that. What do, you, what do you say to the guy, Joe Cubicle, right now, who is saying, no, I don't have the time. I, I don't have the resources to make that happen. When I was living in New York City, I used to run up the east side and the west side highway. And I would run up to Harlem and the Bronx. It was part of my six to nine mile route that I did every weekend. And every Sunday when I ran on the east side, there was a guy that was there with his two or three kids. And, I could, and he had an old boom box with an antenna you would use to like rig a TV to get service. And he was listening to some music he had a little picnic uh, cooler and a makeshift fishing rod. The guy was so happy. And I just remember thinking to myself when I went all the way up there that this guy's fingertips were dirty, his clothing was dirty. Clearly he was working in an industry that required manual labor or something. And you know, I don't wanna make judgment or anything, but I would assume he wasn't well off by the radio and the fishing rod and all this stuff. Hey, we waved every day, he was smiling, polite with his kids. Most, again, I climbed Mount Washington last year. I brought my son. It cost $18 to park. We camped out in the snow. I, I don't believe that because I lived that. When I, when I was a kid and 20, 21 years old and I was, and you know, I wasn't broke. I could always call my parents, but I didn't have much. I didn't want to do that. I, I didn't get anything from my parents. And I was always taking it, Every year, I would do the cold plunge, Coney Island. I would drive out to Jones Beach, uh, take the train out to Jones Beach. It was, you know, nothing. I, I, I took a, uh, they had a pass on Amtrak. Everybody that knows me knows this. It was $25. You could go anywhere you want to go for a month on a $25 pass in, in, in coach. And I took that to Utah, to Vegas, around the country. I slept in the train. Don't get excuses. You know, like just if you want it, you'll make it. If you want to have a business, you'll figure out a way to have a business. The number one thing of being a, of a, for an entrepreneur or a great runner is you got to want it. You know, I know so many people that are, are outstanding ultra runners that aren't super impressive physically, but they want it. They just don't stop. The only reason why I'm a successful entrepreneur, however you define success, is not because I got an 1600 on my SATs. I got a 980. It's just that, like, I was, I was not going to take no. I was relentless, you know? And so that I don't like that. I don't like it, you know? And if, you, if, you, if you fall on that sword and say, like, well, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this, if you give it power by saying that, it won't happen. After you've had so much success, though, after you've, after you've accomplished as much as you've accomplished, how hard is it to keep that mentality? Because you could easily say, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> I've got it. How hard is it? Or, or is it just something that it comes naturally? I don't look through the back rear view mirror. 
I don't own a marquee jet hat. There's no pictures of celebrities in my house. I don't own a Zico t-shirt. That's a chapter's done. I love it. I can draw on the memories and the experiences, but I'm like, I'm 51, man. If I live to be 90, 80, I have 29 years left. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna go celebrate my victories. I'm gonna try to maximize from 51 to 90. Like that's all I care about. And that's how I think about it. Like I don't even, I haven't even thought about last year, I did the last man standing, I did 80 miles. 30 days later, I ran a hundred miler. Right after that, two weeks later, I did 29 or 29. It took me 28 hours. I never said like, oh, I just ran a hundred miler. I'm gonna go, go look at my shiny uh, buckle belt for the next year. It's like, what's, it was immediately like, what's the next? I didn't get my hundred mile goal. I was like, when's the next hundred miler? Oh, Hennepin, Illinois, 30 days. There's four slots left. I took all four slots. I called up four friends, up three friends. I'm like, I need you guys. We're in. 28 days later, we're at the starting line of the Hennepin 100 and we did it. So it's always forward thinking. If you start thinking about that, all your success, you're living, you're Rocky too. Remember Rocky one, he's hungry. Mm -hmm. You know, he's cracking the eggs, he's training. <laughs> Philly, everyone's running him. And then in Rocky two, he's getting manicures. I don't want to have manicures. I want Rocky one. So at 51, as somebody who's constantly trying to build their life resume, what's missing from yours? Nothing's missing. If, if they all got pulled away today, I, I feel like I've done it really right. The one thing I think I really have a good handle on is a, a, a system for life, you know, um, and for living, a, a living life for a living, really living a full, rich life with deep relationships. I have great friends. Um, but is my wife looking at me saying you I'm, just tell us when you gotta go no no i'm, I'm, I'm zoom i'm zoom yelling you guys i'm over I'm, I'm a... so um what's missing is nothing it's just i just want to maximize what's left is there anybody whose life resume you look at and say man that is a that is a damn good resume You know, this is going to sound crazy. Um, Sanjay Gupta right has, here interviewed, in has interviewed some of the most compelling, amazing people. He's traveled the world. He's experienced. Um, I think when I look at someone that's got a wide range of experiences, um, Sanjay comes to mind. You know, he's interviewed the Dalai Lama. He's climbed mountains. He's a brain surgeon. He's an expert on multiple health issues. He does races. He's got great friendships. Um, I've never heard him say anything bad about anybody. Um, he, he just pops into my head as someone that is super inspiring to me. Conversely, you've been helping people build theirs. Is there, what's, your, what's, your most, what's your proudest success story of somebody that you've really pulled from being a I'd say vanilla, boring, not adventurous kind of person to really kind of somebody with your mentality. I've been blessed with, um, and the reason why I have the course and do the programs and these events is I get every day DMs, letters, um, emails, and hear stories of people that have been, whose life has been affected super positively. Um, so I, there's not one defining thing, but we built a thriving community of people that, you know, um, have become 
into that kind of lifestyle. So I love it. You're a great interviewer. <laughs> Thanks. Now, now you put me. Now you. Now you've. Uh, now you made me a little nervous. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, question for you about your next challenge. So you're going to do a mile every hour until you can't do it anymore. How do you train for that? No, it's a mile every 20 minutes. Mile every 20 minutes. Okay. How right. do you how do you train for that? Well, it's the it's the downhill that's so tough. So I completely switched my strategy to only running hills and really trying to beat my legs up on the downhill. Um, but again, there's really no way to train for it. It's much easier to train for a race with an end. You can make a strategy, you can map out your time. The only way you win this race is if you're the last person standing. So, um, but I'm not going into this race. I'm doing this race as, as more of a training run to experience it. Um, I'm under trained. And I just want to enjoy it. I want to cheer on the people that are participating. So I'm not going into it the way that I did the last one. If I could get 10, 12 hours, that would be amazing. And then go cheer everybody on that, that, that do 30, 35. I, I want to ask about the, 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 10, the 10th and the, the 12th hour or the, you know, the, the umpteenth lap of uh, the last man standing or the 99th time up the Hell's Hill. What's what's going through your head what is what pulls you out of the darkness what keeps you what keeps you going when it hurts so much that you should that everything else is telling you to stop well i try not to get those thoughts in my head and um my friend chad chad wright has um this whole philosophy around the power of the spoken word so you never get his thing is chad's thing is you never give your pain a voice so even if you feel miserable and someone asks you, I always say I feel outstanding. Mm -hmm. I try to talk, keep it positive. I say that this will end. And I have a lot of mantras that I've used over the years mm -hmm. that um, when you attach words to actions, they become very powerful. So if you just say this too shall pass, it means nothing. But if you've done it on 50 marathon runs and miles when you hit the wall and you've attached it to actually finishing the race, it's like Pavlov's dog. When you run into a fence, the dog gets shocked. They know not to run near the fence anymore. It's the same thing with words and actions. So I've really done a good job of, I don't want to say brainwashing myself, but brainwashing myself into having words that, you know, during the last man standing, it was um, when I pushed my body response. So every time I felt broken, I'd be like, Jesse, when you push your body response, you have the right fuel, the right training, the right mindset. You have a lot of people supporting you. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're not physically in danger. Push. Your body's going to respond. So I give myself little pep talks like that. Has there ever been a, a challenge where you've quit and you've, and you've really regretted quitting? It was, it was not the right thing to do. And have, you ever, have you ever stopped too soon? So before your marathon, the Atlanta marathon that you guys do a great job with. I had an ankle injury a couple of years ago. So I put an ice pack on my ankle and I fell asleep with it. And I woke up with um, third degree with burns. I froze my skin. I have huge blisters. So I ran the race anyway. I finished it. And, but I overcompensated by kind of limping to protect my foot that had blisters. A week later, I went to run the New York marathon and I'd aggravated something in my leg. And I got to mile 13 and I was like, I got right, I ran right onto the subway. Mm -hmm. And it was my first ever DNF. And um, 
but I had no regrets about it. I guess, I guess on the, on the other side of the coin, have you ever, have you ever pushed it to a point or gone too hard when you probably shouldn't have and regretted that? No. Um, again, I, I respect the healing process. I respect, um, I don't, you know, I, res I take care of my body. I eat very clean. I try to get sleep. Um, so no, I, if I push really hard, I just recover really hard. You mentioned eating clean and you, you've said you've been a, a vegetarian since what, 22? No, nothing, uh, nothing but fruit until noon. Yes. Bananas every day. <laughs> yeah, I eat about like, I was at one point I was eating about 15 bananas a day. I pulled back a little <laughs> on that, mostly in smoothies. Um, but I do, I read a book called Fit for Life um, when I was 22 years old. And the author, Harvey Diamond, challenged the reader to only eat fruit for until noon for 10 days. And I, I, we could talk for hours about this. This will be part two of the interview. And then go back on day 11 to your regular breakfast. And um, I did. And I went back to my regular bagels, eggs, whatever. And I was like, oh. 30 years, I said, I'm never doing that again. 30 years later, I only eat fruit, fruit until 12 noon. The theory behind it is you use up more energy for digestion than anything else. You eat a big meal, your body breaks it down, it's, it, you get tired. If you could streamline your digestion, you free up energy for everything else, to fight infection, to be more vibrant, to be a better runner. So I really try to streamline my digestion through what I eat. I don't combine proteins and starches. I only eat one food group. I eat simple foods. I eat fruits and vegetables. And, um, you know, look, I'm not saying it's for everybody. I'm a trial and error guy. And I tried that and it worked the best for me. Why would I go back to something that, that, that doesn't, you know, work for me? So, um, and now I'm like 80% fruitarian. All these things that, that, that you talk about require so much discipline. And I, you know, I try to be a vegan. For no, 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 discipline. no, 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 discipline, discipline. People confuse discipline with deprivation. And if you start thinking it requires discipline, what you're really saying is I'm depriving myself from something. Deprivation never works. Lifestyle works. I made a lifestyle decision. Right? If I deprive my kids of chocolate, they're gonna gout, gorge it, you know, <laughs> later on. It's it's not deprivation. It's it's not it's not discipline or deprivation, it's lifestyle. I, that's how I look at it. So then what what I guess the, where I was going with that is what what you gotta have advice. You've gotta have something. Of what is it? What what, well, get, I, what gets I, you I up eat, your routine? I eat super healthy and then I eat ten pounds of chocolate at eleven at night. I have plenty of vices. I make plenty of mistakes. Um, but, and, and this isn't something that like, you know, other than the fruit till noon, which I think I've missed like eight days over the last 30 years. Um, I make mistakes. I just get back on the wagon. I take time off from running. After the last, I ran the last man standing at 187. Two months later, I was 205. 210. Gained like 30 pounds because I went nuts. And then I'm like, okay, let me just get back on the wagon. So like, I, you know, I, I just, it's, I know I'm going to be able to, I'm not going to, I'm never going to go like this and spiral ever. But I can go a month or two of, of, of 
falling off, and that's fine. I think getting back on the wagon is often is often the hardest part. It's the hard, harder than building the wagon. So, what's your, what's how do you how do you what's your advice for people who are who are off the wagon right now, whatever yeah. that wagon may be? Yeah. So, first of all, Matt Scalati just on here. Congratulations! Just finished a hundred mile run. Um, I followed your journey, uh, and we don't even know each other. We are social media connected. When you fall off, the most important thing is you just is to for me. I put a flag in the ground. Like my, my training partner, Mark, Mark Brown, and I like start Monday. We're going super clean for 30 days, 30 days of excellence. Um, I put a flag in the ground and I make a commitment. I'm just like, okay, I don't, I don't use um, traditional dates as an excuse. Like, I'm going to wait till New Year's. I'm going to wait till after Christmas. Huh? What? I'm like, I'm starting tomorrow. And that's that. What? That, 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 that's how I do it. Have you, has there ever been a, have you, have you ever had trouble getting, has there ever been a point where you've gotten your flag in the ground and you've said, you know what, I, I need, I, I need to move the flag just a little bit. I need some more time. I mean, I'm human, but it does, yes, but it doesn't happen often. I don't have the luxury of time. I'm not 11 years old. I'm 51 years old. All right, the average American lives to be 78. I, that means I have 26 summers left. I don't have the luxury. And as you get older, it's harder to get back in it. So I stay marathon ready. I, I talked about this today on my run with, my, with Mark, my friend Mark Brown. Marathon ready to me is I can run seven miles, no problem, anytime, every day. I run seven miles a day, you know, which I did today. Um, and if I could do that, I could do a 100-mile run. I'm ready. That, that's just for me, because I know what it feels like to run 26 miles. And the difference between running 26 or 50 and 100, the pain doesn't really get much worse. You just got to be able to deal with it. You got to be patient and deal with it. So um, I stay marathon ready. And for me, that's seven miles, get a couple of long ones in here and there, and I'm good to go. I know you don't have a bucket list. You call it something else. This is a family Instagram account, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. It rhymes with bucket. Um, what's at the top of that list right now? Yeah, so I replaced the B with an F, the B in bucket, and I add an F. Um, I'll leave you guys with this because um, my wife's got to take a bath, and I'm in the bathroom because it's the only room that has good service here. Sorry, sir. Uh, no, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I found the loophole in the NCAA rules. And I actually have eligibility to row crew. So I'm going to go try to make like the Harvard crew team or something. That would be a journey that I would love to follow. I think everybody else on here would <laughs> I don't want to take anyone's spot. Like I don't want to take like an aspiring 18 year old's spot, but I got to go. I want, I don't, don't, if you, if you guys follow my wife, don't tell her that we might move to Cambridge if I make the <laughs> Harvard crew team, but I really want to go back. That would be amazing. I have a feeling that don't tell my wife this com comes up a lot in your conversations. <laughs> it could be a book. It could be a book.